All right, well, uh, welcome back to the Corridor Cast, and uh, we are here with a very special guest. Um, also, this is my first time kind of introducing a podcast, and if you don't know who I am, I'm Jonah. Um, I'm usually one of the guests, so it's a bit of a, a new uh, flavor, but uh, I'm really excited because we have Mike Pesci on the couch with us today, um, who I'm legitimately a huge fan of. Uh, I love Stop your work. It. I love your Stop podcast. It. Stop um, it. It's not enough room for my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I somehow convinced him to be on the podcast and uh, I'm super grateful you're here. So uh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're also, yeah, we're joined by Nick and uh, Fenner, uh, the up, usual y'all? suspects. Um, and yeah, we're just really excited to, uh, to get to know you a little bit and uh, hear about your work. Um, the, yeah, go ahead. Should Jeff. we, should we start off with how we met Mike? <laughs> Cause that was like super rad. So yeah. we had, uh, the guys from Puget who hook us up with all the awesome computers we have, mm-hmm. they were coming by and I guess you are also buddies with them mm-hmm. and we all just ended up going uh, out for beers together. Friend of my friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, I don't know, man, it was awesome. So Puget's great, man. Puget has sponsored me for like six years Yeah, and they are, they're killing it. Um, and I've seen them their company just expand and grow. Um, they just sent me a new computer this week that I'm not supposed to talk about, but it's pretty fucking sweet. Um, and, uh, the thing I like about them is that, uh, those dudes love to drink. Yeah. (laughs) They do love to drink. Dude, had some crazy nights in Vegas with those guys. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I'm actually hanging out with them after this, so we should all go. Yeah. Oh, right on, man. Yeah, they're in town. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. Get you. Those yeah. dudes. Mike, that, that, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like, say I was a guy who just met you once at a bar and we'd talk a little bit. It's pretty, it's, and now we're sitting down for podcasts. Like, hypothetically, what do you do, man? Like, what's what your do story? I do? What yeah, do I yeah, do? What's, what's your story? Like, <laughs> well, I pretend to direct most of the time. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I started, the long story of it was that when I was younger, I thought I was going to be a comic book artist. And I really wanted to uh, recreate the books that I grew up loving. Um, And ultimately I got into comic books because my grades were terrible and my parents grounded me from television. So (laughs) I didn't get to watch any TV for my whole high school career. So I was just reading comic books all the time. Um, And I fell in love with the art of telling stories in panels, which I know all you guys know. Um, And then applied to art school and because my grades suck our school was like you're not getting in and so i was like well i guess i'm not doing that um and so i went to work for a music store okay and uh really got into like music and and introducing people to music and i thought i was going to be a radio dj and so i went to school for radio dj and i did my first show which was like 3 a.m on like a (laughs) on like a college radio station and the uh, program director came in and he was like, all right, so top of the hour, every 15 minutes you play a CD that has a green sticker on it. Bottom of the hour, you play every CD that has a yellow sticker. And I went, what the fuck am I doing there? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I happened to be taking for credits a film course. And in that film course, I just had my eyes blown open. And it was mm-hmm. like, this is everything I love. Everything I love about music, everything I love about comic books. And uh, I just uh, dived into it. And I've been... A director. I've been freelance. I haven't worked for anybody for 20, wow. 22 years. So wait, how old were you when you decided like, I want to make films? Like, cause a lot of people like, like myself and I'm sure a lot of people like Joan, I'm not sure about 
you were pretty young. I was like 10 years old. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe. dangerously yeah. young. You know, even yeah. younger than that. Like, yeah, this not, was a me. Later, a later not me. Decision. It was later. I mean, I always was the kid that had a video camera. I would do productions okay. for book reports. Like, I always did that stuff, but Lovers. I never really assumed that it was a job. And this is pre this, this is pre YouTube. Yeah. So there was a whole generation of us that, you know, I didn't believe that Indiana Jones lived in a box in my living room. But I didn't ask about it. I did really didn't. <laughs> Don't ask any questions. Yeah, I, didn't I, just, I, don't know. Know, I just watched it. And so when I took that film course, we watched Citizen Kane, obviously, obviously. a Blade Runner, which I hadn't, hadn't seen prior to that. Oh, wow. And you then blew your mind, probably. Blew my mind open. <laughs> and then the film instructor just like stopped it and went, what did you think of the wardrobe? And I just went, what? <laughs> it was just that moment of like, <laughs> right, someone gets paid to dress yeah. these people. Someone gets paid to do that. And so it was kind of at that moment where I went, yeah. So maybe I'm a little slow, but it was, hey, I mean, it was later in life. I don't think that matters at all. I think actually a lot of people like as directors and I've struggled with this. You need that life experience yeah. to be able to tell a story. Cause I mean, dude, yes. like when you're in high school trying to, you know, what were the movies about you, you make in high school? It's like, yeah. Uh, the mysterious guy I met in an alleyway, but He's the devil, you know, like, it's <laughs> you're, like you're doing an impression. Yeah. Yeah. Of a like movie. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're kind of just like, you know, it, it's mostly, I think, technical. Like you, you learn the technical stuff and like, okay, yeah, I know how to, you know, yeah. set actors up and set up a camera and lights. But it's like, I don't feel like young people have like on average the best stories to tell. I do, but it's important work still. And totally. I, I talk about this on my show all the time. It takes eight years before anybody gives a shit about you yeah okay like eight years from when from, from when you point. decide from okay. when you decide that you're not going to do anything else mm. so like even if you start your like if you start your own business yeah it takes eight years before anybody really cares and so That's in that period right. of time at least when i was younger i was incredibly frustrated mm. i'm like i want to make movies now yeah. i want to do this shit now and like you i i didn't have the stories to tell so i spent the rest of my time learning how to use this stuff building a toolbox like I, I didn't just go to school to be a director and then like pace around my room and write scripts all day i went and hung out with uh boom pole guys and i went on set and did sound and i went and learned lighting i taught myself how to be a cinematographer and i was a cinematographer for years and did all that stuff that built that toolbox and then had the life experiences mm. that afterwards i went genuinely i know what I'm supposed to go through emotionally, what the audience is supposed to go through emotionally. So now I can rely on the tools to safely put them in that situation again. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like your podcast is like now, because that's like, I guess it's weird, this like idea of like you have your business that you, after eight years now, people, they give a shit. Yes. Do you feel like your podcast has be like being informed by that? Like, hey, I was going and talking to like the boom operators. I was talking to everyone mm -hmm. because that's kind of your thing, right? You have- mm -hmm just the whole process and like how it all comes together. And I don't know, just kind of going back to what you were saying about like comic book writing and stuff. And then, you know, you did radio DJing. That's kind of all leading towards, yeah. you know, directing because that is like, Hey, I got to be on it with the sound design. I got to be on it with the score, the storyboarding, like all of that. So yeah, it's a, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's so interesting. I feel like so many people have these stories of like, Oh yeah, I kind of like, I DJed a little bit and now it's like, Oh, I'm a director. Like it's well, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it all spaces, informs yeah. itself. I just, I love that. Like, yeah. I think your life, I mean, directing really, come on. Directing is taste making. Yeah. Really. And if you're doing it at a larger level, 
um, you're essentially, you have people coming up to you with platters full of things yeah. and going like, which do you want? And you're like, all right, this makes sense. And this doesn't make sense. And I wish it was that exotic, but most of the time yeah. you're strapped to the front of a train and you're screaming. And <laughs> you know so, I mean? Someone like, once said, I forget who it was. They were like, being a director is being a professional question answerer. Yes. <laughs> you're just yes. on set answering questions and like, yeah. and then Tim Miller, we had him on the couch and he was saying like, about 20 minutes out of every day on set, you know, on whatever it was like Terminator he's talking about was actually directing actors. Yes. The rest was just like trying to bond with the crew, trying to answer questions, trying to, you know, take care of all the logistics that yeah. are just crashing against you. Yeah. Did you, I, Nick, did you find that on your film totally, like that you did? Cause totally, you're still totally. in production on it, like post production. Right? Yeah. We're done now. Oh, you're God, done. But Ooh. it was, well, since we were so low budget, yeah. it was a little bit less answering questions because there weren't as many people to ask questions. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But yes, totally. Like, Dude. there's not as much like working with actors as you would think. But when you do, it's like you really can't mess it up. But are you yeah. afraid of actors? No, I'm afraid of actors being afraid of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say this on the show, and I always make the actors laugh to come on. I go when I first started. When I first started, I saw actors as this like herd of unicorns that I would like leave skittles on the ground. Oh yeah, and hopefully not scare them. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, you know what I mean. You're just like, oh, and it took years oh, for me to realize gosh. like now there's a method, there's a process, and really it's a it's a trust game. And then it was when I started to be comfortable with myself. And being able to communicate with strangers mm. and openly and honestly, then I found that actors gravitated towards me. Okay. So, because I come from a technical side, yeah. I'm sure a lot yeah. of you guys do. So and, you didn't have that like vocabulary of like how do I no, how dude. do I like tell you to emote a certain way? And it's really hard because you can't just say be happier. Well, and but but also you're not if you're if you're we can get real nerdy about it. Please? If you're doing it the right way, you're not telling them to do anything. If you're doing it the right way, you're just having conversations and you're casting somebody because they embody who this character is and so you're you're asking questions you're not actually telling them to do anything you're like what if before you walk into the scene you were at the dmv mm. and you were there for 12 hours and she didn't give you your driver's license <laughs> what would happen yeah. here and, and because then you're you're building this storm of collaboration which i really enjoy because if you go through the whole process of storyboarding your movie doing everything it when you're sitting at your desk you're essentially envisioning this film and if you're living by that bible every step of the way is fucking boring for you and yeah. it's disappointing because you're yeah. never really living up to what that it's initial in intent yeah. and so if you open it up you're surprised like you show up and i'm like dude yeah. would you get that oh fuck yeah and the next thing you know like <laughs> that ends up being your favorite scene in the sure. movie you know? so totally, this might be a totally. weird question but with 12k uh, i watched it last night it's mike's awesome short film how how did because of the films in in russian i'm assuming yes how did you find yeah. that process like and how yes. were the were those all like first like their first language was yes. russian all the actors and yes was it this might be an unfair question but joan and i were both like man the acting is in and this is really good i think because <laughs> i don't understand russian <laughs> yeah. like, like, and for that matter I, you shot that in boston right yeah yeah so there's that element too where yeah. like yeah why what was that choice and and how did that inform the way you made it? There's a longer story. Let me do the par paraphrased version of this. <laughs> so um, we'll get into my head injury, but the head injury stimulated this idea. Wait, it looks like well, Nick, it looks confused. I'm, I'm so 
just like for me and the audience, yeah. can you just yeah. give us like a sure. synopsis of what is 12K? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. maybe maybe touch on the head injury? Sure. Uh, yeah. right. let's, let's, let's go into it. Let's right. Right. Let's start with a head injury story. You guys want so the long I'm, story? I'm intrigued. Okay. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I want to yeah. hear this. So I did a proof of concept film called 12 Kilometers. So 12KM. And it's about a Russian drill team in the 1980s okay. that dug the deepest hole known to man. And uh, it's a true story. And they dredged up something awful. Now, in the actual story, uh, they lower microphones down into the planet and they supposedly hear the sounds of hell, which I thought was kind of cheesy. And I'm like, eh. Um, So what I did is I'd heard about this story years prior and I'm like, it's a cool story. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Who the fuck is going to pay me to do this? Um, So I just sort of put it away. And Mm -hmm. like so many ideas, like I'm sure we all have, they just don't have their place at that time. So you write it in a notebook, yeah. you go away. Um, I used to run a production company back in Boston and we were so busy for years. I think like 12 years went by music videos and time just traveled on me and I wasn't making movies. I was just trying to keep this business open and afloat and I was pretty unhappy. Um, and I met this girl and we started dating mm-hmm. and we would go out and do a couple different dates and, she was throwing out the idea of ice skating. She's like, I'd like to go ice skating at Frog Pond down, down in Boston. We should go do it. And I was like, eh, because I had never put ice skates on in my life. And so I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. And so there finally hit that day where she came to me and she said, you know, when we date, we only do what you want to do. You've mm-hmm. never done what I want to do. Yeah. And I went, ah, I knew this day was coming. <laughs> and so uh, I, I said, all right, let's do it. And I said to myself, okay, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'll twist an ankle. I'll do something. Okay. So I go down to Frog Pond, which is like basically the equivalent of like uh, Central Park in Boston. Big ice skating place. Lots of people. Very romantic. Mm -hmm. I go down. I'm putting putting blades on my feet. It's like very foreign to me. (laughs) And I'm trying to be cool. You know, still East Coast. You know, I'm trying to be a cool dude. (laughs) Go in the process of doing this and try to impress this girl. Get the ice skates on. She pulls me on ice and she's pulling me around like a toddler, you know, and it's just very emasculating. It's so, <laughs> spread so, legs. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, it's, it's hard to look cool as a toddler. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, just getting cool pulled. I'm getting pulled all over the place. And so I said to her, I go, just give me a sec, skate away. I'll figure this out. And she goes, okay. And so I turn next to me, this little brat, like a little five-year-old brat that's like pirouetting around me <laughs> and lands next to me. And I watch him as he just, pushes off okay and i went all right so i push off and i literally go all the way back land on the back of my head so i do a complete 180 land and the last thing i hear is the sound of an old oak barrel cracking and i'm out now but there's no oak barrels that's my that's that's (laughs) the old oak barrel that's my boy so i'm out cold and so the girl tells me that everybody on the ice hears this so like I'm out. Oh man. And so she skates over and it's like, I don't know if you guys ever played the old NHL hockey where like the dudes oh, yeah. out on the ice. That's <laughs> me. And so she skates over and the owners of the rink skate over with little orange cones and set up orange cones around them so that people can continue to skate. They were ready. Space. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> a little flare pop on the ice. It's like, hey, just yeah. give them the don't space. Don't be concerned. This yeah. happens a lot. <laughs> Please. So uh, she begs, they call an ambulance. I wake up. Uh, to a flashlight in my eyes and there's a doctor looking down on me 
Now, I, at this point, I go, oh, fuck, because I got a ton of work to do all week. And I'm like, I broke my leg. I did something. I passed out. And the doctor looks down at me and he goes, uh, here's the deal. You've cracked your skull. You're bleeding internally. There's a hematoma forming on the top of your brain, applying pressure to your brain. Now, what yeah. we normally do is we drill into your skull to release the pressure because I wasn't bleeding out anywhere. Mm. But. The hematoma is on the main blood vessel of your brain. So if we drill just a skosh too deep, you die. You bleed out and you die instantly. Oh and I went, okay. And he goes, so what we're going to do is see if the bleeding stops. We're going to mm. wait here and see. You can't go to sleep. We're going to keep you awake. Call your family. And that was, that was it. And so the girl was there and she, I'm looking at her and I'm like, I'm out of it. And I'm yeah. like, you got to call my family. So she has to call my family, like meet most of my family for the first time, Ooh, raise uh, the family in. True story. I mean, I know there was a movie made about this later. <laughs> it was ripping me off. Like we did this. We were the original. The best story. Yeah. And so uh, I ended up going, I was in intensive care for five days. I had these crazy hallucinations mm -hmm. because of the pressure that was on my brain. And I, I was convinced that my inner voice wasn't mine. I was wow. convinced that it was like somebody else's. And sorry, were they were they were keeping you up that whole time? Yes. You weren't allowed to sleep. I, yeah, I wasn't allowed to sleep. So they for were like, five days. They, well, I mean, like I would drift, but they okay, would like, yeah. is he awake? Is he awake? Is yeah. he awake? So yeah. it was like one of those. Dude, that things. sounds like torture. Jeez, yeah, it was man. crazy. So you start like going in this really weird place, and there's recordings of it. I, I think she still has them. Uh, I would tell the girl that I was with, "Hey, I need to tell you," because I was so fascinated. I'm like, "I need to tell you what's going on." And so she'd record me going, "Like this is what's happening. The shadows moving." And, all this stuff. And, wow. and uh, so I went through that whole process. The bleeding stopped and they said, okay, uh, we're going to put you in general population, wherever they send regular people to the hospital. <laughs> uh, Feels like that. Yeah. Back into prison. And <laughs> so she goes, uh, we'll put you there and we'll see if your, your brain absorbs the blood and uh, you need about five, six months for recovery. Whoa. And so I had uh, multiple concussions. I had vertigo. And the whole ordeal. And um, that whole period of time, I was so inspired by what I was seeing in the hospital that when I got back, I ended up staying with my parents, thank God, for like five months. It was really nice. Um, I was at, at home dealing with migraines going, I got to write this out. I got to write this. Yeah. And uh, 12 KM was just going to be the cold open okay. for the story. And it was like, where does this creature that is infecting you come from yeah. it came from russia and so i wrote what was essentially like 10 pages of like meanwhile russia boom and this is everything that happened in russia uh five months later fully recovered lucky as hell fully recovered walked out of it and then was like at the time went to my business partner i said i don't care what's going on i need to make this movie i need to make a film because it was the one thing you know there were multiple times during that process where I almost died. Like, I think one day I sneezed too hard and they yeah. thought the bleeding started again or something oh, happened. And so you're in that boat going, what have I not done with my life? Yeah. And I'm like, I never made a fucking movie. Dude. dude. I never made a and fucking movie. Going back to what we we're saying, which is like these stories almost find you and you need yes. life experience, yeah. a crazy life experience or near yes. death experience like this. It's like that, that story put itself right in, in your lap. Essentially. Yes. I was very lucky, man. That's I, awesome. I, I look at it. The whole process is being, fortunate i mean a lot of people would look at that going like I, my life was ruined and i had now it was fortunate man because uh i found a home for that russian story that i always wanted mm. to tell 
And when I decided to make it as a proof of concept, before I had my head injury, I had done a Punisher fan film. Okay. So I did a movie called The Dead Can't Be Distracted, which Disney found out about. <laughs> and they sent me like, we're going to end your life cease and desist orders. Very so kind. I could not release it. Um, the internet loves it. And I get, I, get, I get written to like once or twice a week. I'm like, can you release this? And I'm like, it's never coming out. Oh, it's like the punk rock album that will never be seen yeah. or heard. Um, so after doing that, I had asked all my friends to do a short and I had brought them all in and it's like, everybody's going to see this. It's going to be really great. And they did really, really great work for it. Fast forward to when I'm about to do another one, I went, all right, I can't reach into that well and not do something that doesn't get into the theaters no mm -hmm. matter what. And so I expanded 12 cam into being 30 minutes long so that I can do a screening for it. Mm -hmm. I could do uh, multiple yeah. screenings for it. Um, and yeah. And, the, and it, because I was my own boss, I was like, I'm going to do it in Russian. Well, okay. So, and so you made this, when did you film this recently? Was no, this no, this was, uh, this was a while ago. Okay. And it's been myth because I haven't released it online. So, pre-COVID? Yeah. Like, Pre-COVID. Pre? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's been over nice. five years. Like 20, I watched it in 2017. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. And correct me if I'm wrong, like, it was a pretty tight shoot. Like, you shot it in how many days was it? I think with all the effects and everything, seven days. Yeah. And did you shoot at Red Sky? Yes, we did one day yeah. at Red Sky. So I used to work in the, in the Red Sky building. Okay. Um, yeah. That was, like, where Vegas. I love the Vegas Red Sky, started. guys. Yeah. And, okay. and that studio is, like amazing yeah and uh yeah because i thought I, I was the void was that yes, red guy that was I a red, was sky. red guy yeah they hated Sorry. me because i had all that black sand there yeah <laughs> so <laughs> for a while this was like a proper soundstage area that you had access to did yeah you, build, you built uh, some sets no and, so we did okay. we did like the you haven't seen the movie so it's no, really no, tough I, yeah uh <laughs> but i'm playing the dumb guy here so we, we built this void for like i don't want to give anything away but the end of the movie takes place in this void um, and that was in a sort of blacked out space, but everything that takes, so we had to build the Russian drilling site. We had to do everything period, uh, 1980s. We had this small town outside of Boston called, I think it was Franklin. Okay. No, yeah, it was a Franklin. I think it was Franklin that we were in. And, uh, there was this warehouse that I talked the owner into letting me have for an entire month wow. for free. Wow. It's like industrial building. And then we just built sets. Heck yeah. And my Sounds art team fun. was doing uh, midnight shifts for me because they were working on, what was that movie? Was it surrogates that they were working on in Boston? They were working on some big movie and then they would come do my art stuff at night. And so it took them about a month to build the whole drill site and wow. all that stuff. And sourcing, <laughs> sourcing audio equipment from the 1980s was difficult, but then I had yeah. to source Russian audio equipment, yeah. <laughs> which my uh, props people came to me and went, this is impossible. And I went, all right, well, how about our guys are doing this off the radar and their government isn't financing it. So they had to go to the black market to get American equipment. And I'll have one of the guys have a translating dictionary. there, trying to okay. figure out how to use the American equipment to Clever. make your life professional yeah, no, question like answerer. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly the professional question. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm assuming you had some money to make this. Was it all self-funded? Uh, I raised a bit okay. from, uh, I did a quick Kickstarter, our Kickstarter campaign, which I think we raised like 20, under 20. And then okay. I, I funded most of the rest of it. Um, 
which I didn't mind. It's like yeah. you, you invest in yourself. Totally. You know, mm-hmm. I think if you invest in yourself, other people believe in you more. So Nick, with your film, did you awesome. do any crowdfunding for that? Or was that all self-funded we as well? We didn't do crowdfunding. No, mm-hmm. we, between like the three producers, we all kind of sourced our own, you know, I, I put some of my own money, invested myself as yeah. well in it. Um, my brother is a co-producer on it. Um, one of the co-producers, you know, put in some as well. So we, we scrapped together. And then a couple other like random, you know, producers that yeah. you know, are attached as well, That's just cool, financially. Man. But it's a good it, investment. Yeah, I'd say. It uh, is. One of the things that we had talked about when we first met and I found really interesting because we're working on a project together that we chat with you a little bit about. And obviously you related because it was it's an existing property that we're doing. Um, and you did obviously Punisher. And mm-hmm. um, I love, you know, there has to be strategy in the creative things that you make, mm-hmm. you know you don't want to just make something because you think it's fun. Um, mm-hmm. Not in this business. You know, if you want it to be successful and you were talking about how you needed it to be 30 because you wanted it to be screened and you mm-hmm. want all this stuff. Where's the line for you where you, you want to make the thing that you want to make? You have a moment in your life where you say, I, I need to actually commit to myself and make the things I want to make, but also balance like, well, it needs to be successful. Yeah, right? it's a tough line, dude, because... I've fallen victim to the, this isn't right because there isn't right things. And so like a lot of time goes by. Yeah. Like, uh, I've, you know, with COVID and everything, there was a period of time I hadn't directed anything in like two and a half years, three years or something. And, and uh, of course I was doing all sorts of other shit, but you, you, there's a hundred reasons why you can't make something. You shouldn't make something. So it's a delicate line there. I think the conversation that we were having was do something that you can then sell. Because there, I think what I've understood coming out here and, and going through the process of having films in development and, and having property that I own, IP that I own, yeah, they just flock to you. And I had done that Punisher piece and got some attention off the fact that I wasn't allowed to release it. Mm. And I think I got more <laughs> yeah. attention off the fact that I wasn't yeah. allowed to release yeah, it than, totally. than if I had fruit. done it. Yeah. The original yeah. Batgirl. Yeah. We yeah. want to see this. Yeah, yeah. dude, 100%. And then all the theories start going, of why did they care? Dude, I can thank my lawyer for that, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. yeah wow, I, you had lawyers. Well, well, well dude, because, you, you know, the fucking mouse shows up. and Yeah. And, oh. and, and yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, and, and the, the, my lawyer said it's smart to me. He, he, or he was really smart about it. He was like, I'm like, I don't have anything. So what difference does it make? He goes, it's not now. It's when, mm. you, it's when you do something. Yeah. The mouse that, comes out. That they'll come like out of nowhere K, and like, yeah, yeah. And, and do comes something to a hole in the corner. Yeah, it yeah. turns out Disney was the Russian drilling team the whole time. Yeah, oh, yeah. Disney's, yeah. Disney's everywhere. No, Disney's <laughs> great. Disney's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, I love Disney. Yeah, yeah. of um, course. Yeah, so much. Thank you, Mickey Mouse, for your contributions. Oh, of course, they're such a good mouse. I'm such <laughs> a favorite mouse. I'm such a tiny blip on their carpet somewhere. Uh, but uh, the the stuff that I ultimately learned from that was that doing my own stuff made me so much more valuable. Mm. And it was a risk I took working with someone else's IP because at the time there was a bunch of other pieces that had come out. And I'm like, oh, there's going to be a lot of attention. But if you look at those other directors that do those other pieces, it's not like, I think it was only one piece. Maybe it was the Mortal Kombat piece or something where the actual director got hired. I forget which one it was, but they don't come and hire yeah. you. Mm-hmm. They go, oh, there's interest in this. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yeah. We'll do this. And then you're just like, oh, okay. That's really interesting. Like uh, Tim Miller spoke about that a little bit with Deadpool. Yeah. He, he was like, you know, like if I hadn't made that previs, they would not have 
you know, even though I was attached from the beginning almost, he, they wouldn't have had him be the, the director. Yeah. Like, they yeah. would have just gone with whoever was the hot director. His first directing gig. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. huge. But, like, like, he did it. He made it. I mean, he had an animation studio, and they did a killer job, and it hyped everyone up. But because of that, you know, they were like, okay, this guy, you know, he can do it, and he wants to do it. So I'm sure the support of, like, uh, Ryan... Reynolds Reynolds helps. probably helped yeah you know and having him in it probably helps a lot but yeah, yeah dude I mean it's a fucking gamble like it, yeah. it's our business is so it's so difficult because there's no rules mm -hmm. there's no formula and then most of the time when you go in you're talking to the, the money people and they're just like so flighty dude mm -hmm. it is crazy and they reduce everything to the dollar sign right like which yeah. at the end of the day, if if you're catering to that idea though, then I think that's the strategy that you can take. Which is back to what you said, like, what's your goal, creative goal? You know? Yeah, and like, I don't, I don't mind the dollar. Like, I get the dollar thing. And if that's your thing, then yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm here to make you money. Like, that's yeah, fine. It's just live off it. the flightiness of like the attention span of mm. people that are just like gravitating towards the easiest thing. Like, and they're just like, oh, is this hereditary? Oh, mm. is this this? Mm -hmm. oh am i gonna make money selling like you know tokens online for this like they they're so all over the place and they're really not investing in us yeah they're not investing in the storytellers and if you've directed anything like you guys have you know that a lot of what we find is finding it like we have a great idea yeah. but we have to find it it's yeah, like you, you actually to, have to start doing it to yeah. like yeah. Find, like it has to kind of inform itself and you right. kind of and learn it's risky. It as you're doing it's it. Risky. It's so risky. Like yeah. how do you how do you balance all that money on that? You don't because like you look at all these big studio reshoots they do where yeah. these top tier yeah. directors and I mean Batgirl it was the whole thing was scrapped because yeah. it's like they didn't balance it. Mm -hmm. They didn't like and they had these such high expectations of like you're gonna churn out these cookie cutter movies. And it's, it's not a it's factory, just, dude. It's know, it's really as much as they want to make it a factory. And you can see the stuff that is processed the way a factory would process yeah. it. And you're kind of like, like, what is this shit? Yeah. Yeah. Mickey Mouse. It's, yeah. It's, no, we love, we love Disney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This isn't awesome a Disney mouse. Trash. We're not trashing Disney. Great mouse energy. Like, um, suicide. Yeah, just yeah. with your movie, like what's a, like, what is your plan for getting it out there? Cause well, like with with 12k mike like you're not really able to see that online right yeah. like it's yeah i'm kind of a dick about it yeah. yeah the only way you could see the movie is if you write to me on instagram and tell me your th three favorite horror movies oh. and if i agree with you then i'll send you a copy <laughs> so there are three correct yeah. horror movies no there's not three correct it's not like some code for some like speakies <laughs> no one has been sent the link yet <laughs> the high stakes no 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 you just you know what it is is that i find that if you dump things out into the ocean that is the internet, then people are passively watching stuff and then really not invested in it. Mm. But if there is front-loaded investment, mm. then they're like, I've earned this. Yeah. And most people that watch it, they don't have to like it, but they at least want to talk to me about it afterwards. Mm. Yeah. So I'm getting like really good engagement. And then it's also building, I learned that from the Punisher piece. It's also building a lot of hype around it because not everybody can see yeah, the fucking totally. thing. It's shoes. It's, it's sneaker drops. Exactly. Yeah. So, Nick, is no. yours like, is it a YouTube thing? Is it a like no. DM you on Instagram thing? Like, <laughs> it, <laughs> Well, and this is not a slight. I hope it won't be a DM me on Instagram <laughs> thing. I hope people can stream it sometime eventually. But it, I mean, to what you said, our goal going into it was, well, COVID happened and it was like, we we're kind of bored and 
um, wanted to just make a movie. This is me, uh, Chris Marone, and Kika Magalesh, who are my partners on the movie. Chris wrote the screenplay. She had the story. And they both acted in it. So we made a perfect trio. Hell yeah, We all produced it. I directed it. I had experience with that. They had experience acting, obviously. So yeah, it it worked out. And we're like, let's just do it. Let's get as Mm -hmm. much money together as we can. Our goal being to prove, hey, if we take $50,000, that's how much we shot it for. Nice. We take 50K and we can make it look like a couple million, Mm -hmm. then we can make the next one for money, actual money and not have to scrap by. So it, it was really a proof of of personal like uh, initiative and and work. Honestly, is it a feature or is it a, a feature? Okay, yeah. so you're in a whole different boat. That's great, yeah. dude. And Nick, did you feel like <laughs> like was COVID your ice skating incident? <laughs> you're um, like, dude, I, was a lot it's of like people's was, ice skating. Yeah. It was definitely a weird way to make a, m- my first feature film and yeah. Chris and Kika as well. But it kind of like it film. almost forced you into it, right? Because it was, it was totally. that sitting around of like, God, I just got to do something. Yeah, right? man. Like, and it had always been a goal. It yeah. was like, I, I really want to make this. And like, I didn't know how to make a project that big. And it was just like, let's just, we have the script. This is a story where we all feel pretty strongly about. It's a story about a woman who's like kidnapped and human trafficked. It's a horror oh, film, shit. a real horror film. So it's a horror film. I was yes, ask, it's yeah. basically a horror, you know, but a lot of it's like, you know, on the road and stuff. So locations are not the hardest. Um, mm-hmm. People were bored during COVID. They're like, we're not getting any work. Can I help? Mm-hmm. And we're like, heck yes, you can. Come on out. Wear a mask, please. Um, <laughs> locations were cheap. Like all the bars were shut down. You know, people wanted to make a buck where they could. Yeah, so fuck like, yeah. So things logistically worked out. I had to direct actors with a mask on. Oh, sucked. Yeah. Got really good at eyebrows. Yeah. Eyebrows. <laughs> but um you're doing really good work. <laughs> yeah. It's <just> like dead. <laughs> but things just came together and and we shot it and probably spent another 5k on it in post, which isn't that bad actually. But yeah. it's been really just like pushing a train slowly yeah. down the tracks. And we're finally to the point where we like Last week, literally, we started sending it out to everyone. We've been waiting. We had like a whole list of like, everyone's like waiting to see the movie. And we're like, cool, email, email, email. So we'll see what happens. But you said to slowly work through that process of saying yes Yes. and no, taste making. Yeah, dude. Well, dude, also congratulations thank you man yeah thank you that's dude a big, huge congrats huge. Yeah. i'm so pumped really to see it in yet yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome, dude. You're, in, you're in like that shock afterwards honestly like, i'm yeah. kind of numb because yeah. the last two years it's been like every i go home every night from this job and i, I do that you yeah. know so it, it, it's been a lot on everyone's uh on everyone's plate but i hope we can get it sold just <laughs> the fact that you yeah. shot it just the fact that you did it the hurdles that I think most people don't understand mm, the hurdles that it takes for you to get to that point. And you feel different after doing that. Right. I feel like I'm ready to make my first feature now. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's honestly, so like I felt, I feel like I went to film school again in the last two years. Yep. Yeah. Um, and now, now I'm not scared of it anymore though. You know, like, um, yeah, dude, dude when we first, when we said we're going to make this and I transferred the money into the, the production company bank account, I'm like, okay, we're making this. I had like a, a two week panic attack. Almost. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is going to be like three months of shooting weekends. So I'm not going to have a day off for three months. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to have a Christmas break because we're going to shoot 10 days straight during my Christmas break. Like no weekends. I'm like, just I, I was with Ren on a trip and like I didn't get like sleep for two days. And I was Man. like freaking out. Like <laughs> I look back and I was like, I was so scared of that. But then the first day we get on set. And yeah. everyone, you see the crew there and everyone's just so stoked. And like that, 
the next that night i slept so well and did you feel like that first day on set was like oh this is what the last eight years ten years however many years has been leading up to because you're like oh i'm almost i can do this it felt surreal dude yeah it felt very surreal it's really um yeah it was and it just was like a nonstop blur from there dude i'm jealous i'm jealous of you right now just because (laughs) it's been a while since i've been in that situation and when you feel that when you're on Mm. set and you start to see things come together it's like the ultimate high like there's this endorphin rush of collaboration that you feel totally dude and yeah it, it's also scary because you're like okay this is it this is what yeah. it looks like yeah i've been imagining this let's make it work yeah and sometimes you do and a lot of times you don't and that's that's where the learning comes in though i have dude that's rad man i have such a long list of like everything i would do next time and i mm-hmm. will do next time yeah um but like it makes it it makes it very interesting to look back on a film that you shot two years ago and say like yeah i want to put this out there because you don't really <laughs> yeah. want to wow yeah but you gotta dude you, you gotta yeah, just exactly. put it out and you like, gotta let it live exactly you and that's what we're live. gonna do and hopefully you know hopefully we will distribute it somehow uh-huh. and you, you know people will be able to stream it i just want to do are you gonna do a screening we are gonna do screening that's where you need yeah. that's the shit Dude, like I when you get wait. in the room with people yeah. that is like the purpose i know so many directors i don't know if you guys are i know so many directors that are afraid to be in the room when they screen stuff oh no that's the best part it's the best fucking yeah. part man you learn yeah. so much instantly really? yeah okay yeah. yeah and people don't even have to say anything. i'm terrified yeah. dude i'm like i'm terrified yeah oh, we're gonna freak uh, you out yeah. yeah no it's gonna be awesome man i like personally like coming from and because i started editing that was like my way into this industry like my favorite part is watching it with people because yeah. I'm not watching the screen. I'm watching them, you know, yeah. and I'm like, what's hitting, what isn't hitting. Yeah. And like, after so much work to be able to you have an emotional impact on an audience, you know, yeah. it, it, the funny part about what we do is that the most exciting part for us is doing it, but the most exciting part for everyone else is watching it. Yeah. And there's this mm-hmm. weird, de- like it's a delayed moment. Yeah. And so huh. you're feeling relieved and that it's over, but, Everyone's just excited to watch it. No one's been there with you, right? Exactly. Your process is ended and everyone else's process is beginning. So you get to relive it again with everyone else. Yeah. Thanks you for know? reminding me of that. Because <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure you guys can relate though. Like once you live with a video for a while, yeah. you've been through everything and you've, you know, you know everything wrong with it and you know all the solves that you've done and you forget that people are literally going to be seeing these images for the first time yeah. ever. Yeah. People laugh, people laugh at a joke you wrote two years ago and you're yeah. like, it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's totally still dated. funny. So yeah. that's, that's very important to remember. It's like you you notice all the flaws because you've been living with them and you're just like, oh, like, I hate how this looks. I hate how this sounds. And then what someone sees is like, oh man, I loved like, I loved everything. And you're like, oh, fuck yeah. But the older you get, I think I the more help. time you do it, the flaws just become part of like, you know, yeah. I, I, I just, I equate it to cooking all the time, right? Because I, mm. that's what I would do in the interim. I would make meals during COVID because it was like making mini movies. Yeah. And I can like sort of have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And the sensory sort of experience. But, you know, sometimes you don't plate things right. Sometimes you've got like the steaks overcooked or like the rice is a little rubbery, but the whole experience is a really great one. And then you start to treasure, you know, the meal, not just the food that you're serving. Dude, completely, man. It's, yeah, I, much different person than I was two years ago (laughs) based on that project. And I treasure, really the process like it's just again like i said it's film school again like you know last week we did a podcast all about film school and like 
you could just go make a movie and you'd probably learn as much. Yeah, that's one of the reasons yeah, every time. I, I love what we do here too. Um, because working for three months on a feature and then a year and then it, it snowballs. Like what we do is we make something every single week. Mm. And so you're able to work through so many mental blocks about your creative process when you have that timer. Mm. And it's great because if you do make something every single week or, totally. you know, whatever that is for you, and then you do have the three months, mm -hmm. you are so grateful, right? Yeah. You, and you get to really all the small lessons build up to the big lesson. Um, and, yeah. and, and yeah. then that project is better for it. I, I'm a huge fan of, of making just the worst version of everything first because you okay. can't be precious. You know, because everyone, no one's first idea, I think, is ever the best version of it. Yeah. And like you, you kind of have to put it out there, see the response mm. and then be humble enough to recognize like where you're wrong. You know, at a certain point, the thing that you make, it really isn't yours anymore. That's yeah. the way I feel. You know, once you've made it a little bit, you show it to people around you and you say, like, how does this make you feel? And if it doesn't make them feel the way that you thought, mm -hmm. it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility you know, mm. to guide that thing. That's the way I see it, yeah. you know. Spoken like a true editor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely. It's responsibility. I mean, yeah. dude, yeah. it all comes down to the editor, man. Like, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, part of being a filmmaker and even a director is like knowing to edit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know. I need it's, to, I need to hear your top three horror movies though. I'm sorry. Oh, I've been yeah. thinking about well, it ever dude, since you said it. You're going to have to send those links out to everyone if he says them. I know. Oh, yeah. 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 We got to do that off air. Just don't say the order. I do have a question with you guys. Like, both of your first kind of your short 12k and then your film they're in the horror genre too right mm -hmm. so i mean not maybe classical horror but it is a horrifying story mm -hmm. it is doesn't still fear and like the short genre and i working on it has those elements of horror as well mm -hmm. what was it about like the genre of having that horror that fear that was like hey yeah this is my first step into doing this like i've always said there are two different genres that i would do i would either do, well three but the two ones that I would start with would either be horror or romantic comedy because okay. they both get the same level of audience reaction to the, to the trickery that you're putting on screen. Mm -hmm. There's something so great about it on both ends. And I think when you're dealing with horror, the audience respects technical savvy. They respect, uh, you know, do it yourself techniques. They uh, oftentimes celebrate a heavy hand with the techniques that you're doing so yeah. you can yeah. really get away with a lot especially if you're like you know trashing Shock. around yeah, yeah, like, you, yeah. you kind of having fun with it but then there's a refinement with horror that's really fascinating and it's a timing thing like i also was an editor so there there's this sense of like building tension and the, the most rhythm. of my stuff is very suspense driven so it's the rhythm of tension the rhythm of of, of speech patterns the rhythm of communication so I find that stuff really interesting because it's less about dialogue heavy scripts that are very sort of like narrative based. It's more about like, Hey, here's this theme or this idea. How can I use all these magicians tricks to yeah. like make you think that you're getting stabbed in the face? That, that makes <laughs> yeah. me think like yeah. watching your pieces and I'm sorry to the audience who can't see this, but what I can say is that every time we, or the times that we watch them, when we watched them a couple of times, I was, I said, I love the editing. I would just keep saying that. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. The editing is phenomenal. I love what he Thanks. did there. And with that, my question is how much is, how, how much of the, is that boarded? Because you're doing these mm -hmm. moments of like amazing texture work with sound design and these awesome, you know, like the door and, and, uh, who's there? Yeah. you know, these like sequences that you build, 
it to me it almost feels impossible to board those because it feels like you're building this rhythm that works so perfectly with the music yeah what's your process finding that um I, I, sh- I wish i had them i can show you the storyboards for 12 cam they're pretty on point um i the, what i see boards boards do a couple things for me um boards help me block so like it's my initial blocking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember once I was doing, cause I did a lot of commercials back in, in Boston. I remember I was doing a commercial and I showed young, young, young guy doing a commercial showed up on set and the, <laughs> the actor goes, how do you want me to pick this backpack up? And I went, Oh shit. Like I hadn't <laughs> thought about like what that was. Okay. Uh, and so with boarding, I found myself when I was boarding out 12 cam, I would in my driveway, back in Watertown, I would tape out what I thought the rooms would be outside in the driveway and I'd go walk him and I would just be like, okay, what if the guy comes here? What if the guy does this? Yes. And sort of did that. And then I was like, okay. And then I would board it. And then the cinematographer side of me was like, okay, here's what I think the colors should be. Here's what I think the lensing should be for this. That's really interesting. And then when you start to board things, I used to hand draw them, but now I do everything digitally, which is like super fast. Um, I can then start, editing them so with the boards themselves literally editing with the boards sometimes it's just the way i arrange them on the paper okay or sometimes it's just in my mind where i go cut from here cut from here cut from here cut from here and i know that it's not going to be the edit so i know that i'm not just shooting like i only need five frames here i'll shoot until i get something really great but i have pre-edited with the boards so by the time you see like if you saw a side-by-side comparison of the boards for 12 cam and the images they're pretty damn on point. I think I'm still pissed about it. I only, I only missed like <laughs> four shots on my board list. Okay. And we were doing 35 setups a day with Dolly, Steadicam. My team was like on point. Hustling, dude. On 35 point. setups. 35 setups a day. Uh, we were on point. Nick, um, with your film, wow, was there man. was there much of that board process or was it more run and gun? Oh, was it like- man uh the first week there was yeah dude, <laughs> yeah. No, totally yeah. um i had shot lists i had boards and then then it started and it was just like i had to kind of go on Pivot. instinct yeah yeah. It, yeah and like dude like it was like a 19 day shoot and you know as you know low budget stuff dude like, i know it, so. it's just you, you literally go and you just try to get everything and make it work so some scenes i did have boarded like it was specific stuff on the steady or whatever yeah. like we we had that worked out but, you know, it would just be, I would trust that me and the cinematographer could be on the same page, Yeah, which mm-hmm. we were. And it mm-hmm. worked out. Um, you know, a lot of it's handheld. A lot of it's on, you know, Dolly or like, sorry, um, gimbal stuff. So, yeah. but, and a lot of it's car mounts too. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh, a lot of sick. interior car stuff, which oh, is a whole yeah. other. That's a whole yeah. nightmare. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, I think one thing, one big lesson that I will apply to my next film is more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not writing off that process. Mm-hmm. Um, not that like I thought this is a waste of time or anything. It's just like, I think shooting coverage is 
really detrimental yes. a lot of the times. Yes. I hmm. think to the whole process. Yes. Um, and I really want to strive to not shoot coverage anymore. Coverage sucks, dude. Let it, me just say it. Coverage, <laughs> coverage effing sucks. It gives you so many options and, at the same time. There's no vision. Yeah. yeah. It's like and paralysis you, you, by choice. Yes, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you get into the edit and you're like, I can do anything. Infinite. Yeah. I get, so what do I do? I get mad. It's like, yeah. oh my God, this is going to look like an episode of Law and Order. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. what do we do here? Yeah. Oh, handheld shaky over the shoulder and back and forth. <laughs> right? It's like, it doesn't mean anything. Like, this is what a lot of... The young filmmakers that listen to my show, a lot of the young filmmakers that listen to this show need to understand there's a language, a visual language of yeah. cinema. There's over a hundred years of meaning behind using a 50 millimeter lens. There's when an audience looks at something on screen, instinctually, mm -hmm. they're going to feel a certain way. Use that language. Yeah. And that's in the prep. And every director that I've ever talked to on the show, prep, your mm -hmm. job is prep and casting, prep and casting. And so if you, if you prep it and you come up with the language, when I do boards for my movies, I bring them, I put them on set, they're mm -hmm. up there and I turn to everybody and go, these are here in case we're hung over tomorrow <laughs> and we all just need a plan. So we're going to come and just do these. That's like awesome. if we're having a bad day, but I've scheduled it in such a way where we can fuck around yeah. and we can play. And I've got a really good example of this on who's there. There's a sequence. Um, I ended up casting uh, Maggie um, and the young girl in that and she changed everything she came in and she was riveting mm. and almost detrimentally changed everything because she was so good that it fucked with my other casting and I casted her later in the game and so um, uh, my other actors I'm not going to be specific but some of my other actors had to pick up their shit mm. and they were very nervous about it. And it was a very hard lesson for me to sort of de how to process that. But anyway, there's a sequence upstairs where Maggie is behind a chair and she's there and she's sort of hidden behind this chair. And it wasn't a, sh it wasn't a shot I had storyboarded. Oh wow. Um, and my production designer and I sort of walked in this room and I looked around and I said, I don't like what I have planned. And he's like, and he was a great dude, Larry Sampson. I don't know if you've ever met him. I don't think so. Awesome guy back in Boston. And Larry and I walked around and he was like, dude, what if she comes behind the chair? And he put himself down behind the chair and he was like behind these little prison bars. And I went, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. So we <laughs> went and we shot that sequence and we shot her looking amazing. And then I had to do coverage. Now I had to do coverage on an actress who was very talented, but I felt bad for her in this moment because Maggie was stealing all of this, just sucking all the energy in mm. the room. And so I just did this throwaway shot where I had to do coverage of her in that doorway. And she's responding to what Maggie's saying, which is essentially your son was taken, was kidnapped. And the way the actress just listened and what she did, it was the best performance she did in the whole piece. We called cut. And I immediately realized that the whole rest of the afternoon that I had boarded out was wrong. Mm. So from what she did there, mm. everything I had planned was the wrong energy, the wrong vibe, too heavy handed. And I turned to the entire crew and my assistant director. I said, can we just take a break? Take a break for 15 minutes. I brought my uh, cinematographer and assistant director over and I said, this isn't right. I got to, I got to, we got to work this out real quick. And so we just walked down this hallway and walked to the sequence. And I go, what if the camera floats here and does this? And my cinematographer was like, well, yeah, we do that. My assistant director was like, 
and this will happen. And so we just completely threw the boards out, redesigned that whole back end of the sequence. And it's beautifully stimulated by the performance of the actress. Mm. And I think that's important to remember. Prep, prep, prep. Learn the language for what it is that you're making, but then have the wherewithal as the director who, AKA, you're the audience at that point. Mm -hmm. So like when you're watching it, you go, I want to see where this goes. And don't be so stubborn with your prep where you're like, yeah, but I, I was really excited about using the Steadicam. Now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know yeah I mean? gear related. Uh, I was really shots. excited to get the flares off the sweet anamorphic. Totally. No, 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 no. Follow the emotion. Follow the, the inspiration. Yeah, yeah. that's and really just, good advice, man. Yeah. Just for context for the audience, uh, who's there? Is that available to watch on the site, uh, or is that? No, <laughs> is that, you, you have, have to message your, your top, yeah. least favorite, least horror, favorite horror films. Uh, yeah. Well, look, I'll be I'll be clear too. Both these movies are proof of concept films, and so I don't need to release them. Like I've already got them into the production companies and the places that are in development. So it really behooves me not to release them yet, because then the features will be that much more stimulating and that mm-hmm. much more interesting. I didn't need to go that route. Yeah. of getting their attention by putting it online. Would they be things that you say like 12K or Who's There does become a feature? Yes. Would they be something that you'd be willing to put out after the fact? Because yes. that, that to me, like being able to go back with District 9 and watch Neil Blomkamp's original mm-hmm. short film yes. he did as a like film student, I'm like, holy shit. Like that stuff is inspiring to be able to see like, hey, this awesome feature film, 12K, this is what it was. And it's just cool to be like, yes. hey, if you get some of your buddies together, you like make this film together and it's just a short film or something, this is what it can become. Like, I think that stuff is just incredible. Like, yes, no, totally. We'll, I will totally do that. I've, I've screened it to a few audiences and I've had a few things. And if there are any film festivals watching, if you guys want to take the movie in and we'll make a big deal over it, we can do that. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I think at one point I had plans of distroing just the short. I've had a couple of offers for distro just for the short. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, it's just like, I enjoy what I have going on with the podcast now and the, and the connection that I have mm-hmm. with the audience and the general interest that people have with it mm-hmm. more than I would just, you know, dumping it on YouTube. Yeah, it's really interesting, man. It's like that strategy. Um, it's kind of time tested, like make a short, pitch it, get the feature made. Mm-hmm. Do you think at this point, you still want it, or those features that you're still hyped about telling those stories. Yeah. It's weird because what ends up happening is you partner up with production companies and we could do a whole podcast on this. I'd love to. <laughs> you, 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 we partner up with production companies and everything that you've written, if you've written a script, if you've written any of that stuff is all going to get thrown out. It's all going to become something new. And, and when you're collaborating with producers, they want to have, obviously investment in it and emotional investment in it. And oftentimes those people are bringing really great ideas. Like uh, 12 cam ended up um, catching fire as a short because I had a friend of mine write an article on it. Uh, What, what website was it for? I can't remember the website, but she wrote an article on it and she said, this is a movie that no one can see. And this is the type of movie that Hollywood should be making. And it was right around the time when um, Sandberg did Lights Out. So good. That short. Yes. And so Sandberg's management found me. And so it was part of their, 
their strategy at that period of time. Find someone that's making a proof of concept short, get that proof of concept yeah. short made. Um, and so because of that short, I got representation from them. I got representation from UTA and then um, got to go pitch to like, nice. dude, like Michael Bay's people, wow. Sam Raimi's people. And you were pitching that idea where you, did you have yes. a whole kind of like pocket full of different no. things? Okay. So we had 12, I had 12 cam finished. And what had happened was, is I met, uh, who is now my screenplay writer, Will Simmons. Awesome dude. Um, he knew my cinematographer. It's so funny how you make decisions. Dude, you know how we make decisions. I decided, cause I had yeah. used to, sh I shot all of my other stuff yeah. as a shooter. Yeah. And I, when I made the decision to make a movie in a language that I don't speak, Bold. I was Maybe like, I, just I can't, pay attention. I, yeah, I can't yeah. tell someone where to put a 6k. And also, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so I, I had, was courting my buddy, David Cruda. Uh, he was a cinematographer online and I really respected his stuff. And my belief is that if you're going to collaborate with someone, they need to know more than you do. Mm. Uh, and so he was able to take my boards and crudify them. He's going <laughs> to like that. I said that yeah, that's a trademark and, and basically put his crew dog techniques on them and make them come to life even further. So since I made that call, which was an ego check because I, before that I was like, Oh, I can do all this shit. I can cheat this. I can do all this. I said, no, no, no I'm going to, I'm going to get this guy to come in. We collaborated together because I did that. Then I met Will who made a short with him years prior mm -hmm. and Will had called him for something and uh Kruda was like can i show you this new thing so we sent over i wasn't even done cutting it we sent over a rough and then will called me and he goes dude and he's a great he's a blacklist uh winning screenplay writer okay. like he's crushing i can't say all the movies that he's doing right now but he's crushing um and he just said to me like what's the feature and i said well i wrote a script but i'm not really a screenplay writer i do it out of necessity I wrote a script that's good. He goes, can I do a pass? And I was like, who's this fucking guy? And then he'd <laughs> sent me his uh, blacklist mm -hmm. script. And I went, oh, this dude's better than I am. Yeah. Uh, and so I said, yeah, make it to a pass. And because he got involved, he was repped. And so he's like, I know people at Platinum Dunes, which is Michael Bay's company. Mm -hmm. When you're done with the short, let's see if we can set up a meeting. And the funny thing was, is that right around that time, I got an email from the management company that was Sandberg's company. And I get, I get this email and they're like, we read about your short. Uh, do you have any plans of coming to LA? And I was like, yeah, we're going to go pitch to Platinum Dunes. And they go, come to our offices first. And whenever <laughs> you read an email from a manager, I just picture like a dude in a polyester suit in a closet yeah. somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> just like, come on back, kid. You know, and you're just like, and I had no expectations. And and so we came out here to LA and uh we went to this guy's offices and I was expecting it to be, you know, behind a laundromat. And it was like on uh sunset and it was in like Leonardo DiCaprio's building. And I just walked in there and I just realized, I was like, holy fuck. Like I am out of my element, mm. like a dude from Boston, like trying to do this. And we went in and pitched to them first. And they were like, we love it. We want to rep and we'll set up meetings, stay out here for 10 days and we'll send you out. And we hit every spot. And on the last day they called and they go, 
we're going to go scot-free. And in my head, it's like, it's really Scott alien, yeah. like a whole ordeal. And I said, uh, um, I don't care if they like it or not. I have to work with these guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we went in and I told them my head injury story. Mm-hmm. We didn't even talk about the movie really. Uh, we talked about the head injury story and we connected and bonded on that. One of the producers almost died similarly. And, uh, he was like, okay. <laughs> and then we, w- I went home and I was like, I don't know what that means. And then yeah, okay. we had another phone call and he called and he was like, asked me a couple questions and he goes, okay. And then we hung up the phone and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> so are we doing it? Are we not doing it? And then, Hollywood, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then they, they came on board. Wow. And so they've been, so twelve cam is in wow. development with them right Congrats, now. That's man. Wow, it's, it's been there for dude. a while, but okay. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's still pretty. So, is this something that you think will get made, or is it this something that they've just like optioned and been like, "Hey, we're going to sit on this"? Well, here's the, I can give you all sorts of insight. <laughs> uh, oh, here's yeah. the other thing: since I am technically a first time director, meaning that my twenty years of directing yeah. doesn't really <laughs> count. Uh, there's a price point that I have to hit for the first feature. Okay. Meaning like maximum, budget. maximum yeah. budget. And Can so you say what that is, or is it? A no, I mean, it's t- typically you're, they're not going to hand you more than 5 million. Uh, <sighs> if you're a first time feature director, so unless nice. there's some, <laughs> unless, but, but dude, you go, Oh, 5 oh, yeah, million. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, uh, once you're working that Hollywood system, yeah. on that doesn't, that doesn't said, go that, that far. Yeah, I right. could go yeah, yeah, forever yeah, yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, on an actual. I remember production. we were budgeting out the feature version of this, and uh, I was talking to really nice line producer, and she called me on the phone, and she was like, "So do you want to build a set on a gimbal?" And I was like, "What?" Like it came out of nowhere. <laughs> Just and I was making like, sure. <laughs> I was like, "What?" And she goes, "Like a gimbal." I'm like, "I'm like, you you mean like a platform, like an automated platform that'll shake the whole set?" And she goes, yeah. And I go, no, why would you, why would we do that? And she goes, well, it's written in the script that there are earthquakes and stuff. I go, yeah, I'll have someone standing behind shelves, shaking them and someone dripping sand over the lens and I'll shake the lens. Yeah. And then there's an earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, oh, and I go, yeah, you ever see Star Trek? <laughs> Dude. She's like, so, yeah. Mike, having gone through this process now of going through the pitch meetings and stuff. Yeah. What would be like, if you were able to just give some advice to the audience or to someone like Nick, who you're about to kind of, yeah. you're kind of going through this process now. Like what would kind be your of. biggest piece of advice? Like in general? Yeah. Just for going through that whole pitch process. Um, interesting. I guess like one thing I could maybe add to that yeah, is, yeah. is there maybe one particular piece of like insight that maybe from your first pitch to the last pitch in those 10 days that you picked up or like <laughs> yeah, it was a crash course yeah exactly like what's because i mean i've never done that many pitches like i've done a couple you know you just hear no a lot but. i would say i would say two a couple things one appreciate it okay because it's weird it is Fair enough. like you're you're going on like you're going on like these speed dates right and so if if you're lucky They've seen it, right? Most of the time they've seen it. My, my guys are pretty good of sending out the email going like, close the blinds and watch this. So I walk in a room and people would be surprised that I wasn't Russian first off. Okay. And then second, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. would go through the thing. So the process is weird. And you meet like the randomest yeah. stereotypes of Hollywood that you've ever, like the coked up crazy man or like <laughs> someone else that's like, like you meet all like these wacky people along the way. So that's kind of fun. And in the beginning I was really nervous and every pitch was like, this is it. 
Yeah. I'm going in here today. This yeah. is the rest of my life. This is what I'm pitching for. This is my dream. This is my career. And then you just start to understand that like, now this, this could take like five years. Yeah. So it, 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 as you just sort of let out that stress, because you, I see you. Like you're doing you can it. Do it Nick. You can do it, man. You got oh, it. Like, yeah. you got no, it. You got dude, it. it's been two years. It'll take me a, maybe maybe next year. I'll come back. You gotta <laughs> let it out, man. Because if you let it out and you just understand, like you've already done it. Yeah. You've accomplished it. You've made the movie. You've spent the time. You've learned the lessons. If at its worst, all you do is walk away with the lessons that you've learned, it is worth that money that you spent. Yeah. Someone asked me because it's been so long get this movie made they go do you think you wasted your money on uh 12km that amount of cash that you spent and i went if someone said to you you can write a check for a specific amount and guaranteed sit in ridley scott's office and have him say that he likes your movie would you write that check yeah oh yeah all day wow. and so that's what you need to understand is like as you go through this process i'm sure your movie's awesome i can't wait to see it as you go through this process, you're going to meet some fucking wild people and some oh, interesting yeah. folks. Yeah, man. And that's the, that's what this is. That's what all this is. Yeah, man. It's, it's crazy to hear your take on that because there's been so many points where it's like everything rests on this one moment, uh -huh. you know, and you have to treat it like that, but you also have to understand like it totally doesn't. Like, it does. It totally doesn't like everyone yeah, the world doesn't revolve around, you know, your movie and you as a person and a, a filmmaker, but like, it's like, you hear about these big directors and it takes them like five years to get a, a movie developed. Ten and, like, years. They have like yeah. a list cast of like yeah. attached, yeah. which is a huge part of it. And like, it makes you really just realize like, there's so many factors here going into make that much money going behind a project. Well, the, do the, you... and then you hit a point, like there was a point when my... I could share this stuff. There was a point when my guys were like, and my guys, I mean, my representation was like, uh, I think this movie's dead. Wow. You know, there's, there's points where they go like, this isn't going to happen. And at the same, at the Man. same, at the, yeah. at the counteract of and that, like, I've had my guys call me on the phone. I've had a phone call. They're going to hate me for saying this shit. <laughs> I've had a phone call where all of a sudden there's applause and everybody's like clapping on the phone. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, We've done it. We did it. You did it. You had a, such a great meeting. It's successful. It's going to happen. And I'm just like, what? It's going to, I'm like, when the paperwork yeah, is yeah. Like, Let me know. Show me the money. Yeah. So like you just, and I've had these calls over the course of a day where you get called and it's like, so-and-so is interested. And you're like, oh, fuck. It's like, get your shit together. And then you hustle and you put together boards and you put together treatments. And you just, and you do all this ready. and you sell it and you, and you go into a pitch and you sit there in a pitch and you're nervous because you're like, fuck, everything's coming to this moment. You pitch real hard and then you don't get a call. Yeah. Or they call you and they go, they love it. And you go, wow, is this going to happen? And then you talk for like, you like verbally masturbate each other talking on the phone <laughs> about like, oh, it's so great. You did such a good job. So and, blah, 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 blah. and then you get off that call and then nothing fucking happens. And it's like two or three weeks and nothing yeah. has happened. So at the end of it, you just go, why am I getting so psyched out? Yeah. Because I was, dude, I, I got a psychiatrist because of this business. Really? Yeah. Just yeah. like getting yourself. I'm not ashamed to say that these days. Like, yeah, dude, just. Everyone should. Dealing with the industry. Like I had to get help because there Jeez. sort of hits a point where you go like, this is so 
inhuman, the way that this industry works, mm. the way that this industry treats us as creatives, what it puts us through. Yeah. Um, it sucks. And, and so I would say the best advice I can give you is like, enjoy it. Enjoy the fucking ride. I love that. This may not be your movie. This may not be the one that catches fire, yeah. but you may go take a meeting, do a general meeting somewhere, meet a producer who goes, I like this guy. You're a cool dude. I like your mustache. <laughs> it's yeah, a great stash. Yeah, like, I office. like this dude. And so that f- friendship yeah. garners, he may say to you like, look, I like your movie, man, but there's no way I can fucking sell that. Hmm. What else you got? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, I was going to ask you actually, like, do you think it's more about you selling yourself or are you selling the movie? Yourself. Yourself. Okay. Dude, I go into general meetings and I will talk about barbecue for 40 minutes. Wow. And wow. do those, those meetings feel better yes. than the ones where you're just talking yes. about the project? Yeah. Yes. Because at the end of the day, if they're taking you in for a meeting, most of the time they've seen your work already. Mm. Okay. And the thing that's great, there's two points here. Making a proof of concept is essential as a director because you're establishing tone. Yeah. You can't yeah. establish tone on paper. On paper, everybody reads things differently. Everybody thinks that they're a filmmaker. Everybody paints pictures their own way. Proof of concepts, you're establishing tone. So if you have that, then they know your tone. They know what it is that you do. So when they call you in the room, what they're finding out is how do you handle stress? How do you handle communications? Do I want to be stuck with this asshole uh, for years, (laughs) 16 hours a day doing stuff? And so I find that the thing to do is to go in there and I do the same thing yeah. where I look at this person and go, do I want to be stuck with this person? Yeah. Which Hollywood archetype is he? Do you feel like, um, cause you, you came out here, uh, you did those pitches and it seems like you stuck out here. Yes. Um, and with the stress of pitching, what you're talking about has the podcast helped you work through some of that, just yes. breaking down those doors and just meeting people and, talking about barbecue i know you say you talk about barbecue and i've listened to it you know and you're able to work through that like what does what does in love with the process mean to you as the person who's doing it not the person who's listening right i selfishly do it yeah (laughs) i really do i like come on man like i don't get paid (laughs) i don't get paid a ton of money i like we now have sponsors and i'm able to keep things afloat which is really great um but i i do it selfishly i do it because this right here i'm learning something again listening to your stories. I'm learning something about myself, just telling my stories. Mm -hmm. And so at at its core level, being able to communicate with strangers and friends uh, and build relationships with people just upon the passion that we, we fucking all have. I feel so, I did a podcast before we came came here today. I feel feel so (laughs) good about it, you know? And so um, that's really great. It's been good. Uh, to make connections with people in the business. We talked about this before. Um, so like if I want to meet, like I, I know the production designer for Ghostbusters and Ford versus Ferrari and him and I got along really well on a podcast. Um, there's a bunch of actors that I've talked to that I want to work with. Uh, I really love Bill Heck. He's an awesome dude. Shout out Bill. Um, and um, I also have had producers on the show and other people. And then we also have barbecue people on the show. We have firefighters <laughs> awesome, on the show. Man. Heck yeah. There's yeah. no rules. It There's seems no, like. I mean, because yeah. what we're doing is we're telling stories about life. And what you were saying earlier, if you don't have the experiences and you don't spend time living, yeah. 
then who the fuck are you to tell stories about life? Yeah. And so I think that the podcast really does a, a bit of all that. And then it <laughs> connects me to my fan base and connects me to my audience. Yeah. Uh, my audience gets special things, whether it's, you know, gear or access to see the movies. And um, I love it, man. It, it, it's, it's been my therapy. That's good, it's man. really cool, man. I, I feel like having something like that and like, for for me, it's like being able to make videos for Corridor and yeah. like have an audience that we're entertaining and teaching stuff to. That like, I was asking myself because like I always wanted to be a feature filmmaker, right? Yeah, as many people do. Yeah, um, lots of us, you know, who are now working in YouTube and new media. That was the dream, and still is. But it's like you kind of you kind of like ask yourself, is what you know, we're doing here at Corridor and what you're doing on the podcast. Like, even though it's on like, you know, a smaller scale, you're not getting in front of like billions of people in the theater. Like you still get to like really be there for people and entertain them and like teach them and yeah. inspire them. Dude. And that like really, it's really like laid off the pressure for me and like feeling like I'm late to being the, the feature film director that I wanted to be oh because God, yeah. I can still contribute and like, have that like i mean validation one of like hey i'm making something that's valuable to people and that they want to watch um but also like what is why did i want to be a feature film director hmm. so that people it's funny would, dude you know so i could make things that people watch yeah so, it's funny dude i had the same yeah. i had the same fucking thoughts man and and i was talking to my therapist about it there hits this point because what am i i'm 44 now 43 44 so um I was like, Ridley Scott made a fucking, his first feature film at 40 years old. Yeah, man. So I can do this at 40. And then what happened? Fucking COVID. <laughs> right? And I was yeah. online. Scott didn't have that. I was yeah. online for everything. Everything was lined up. Everything's ready to rock. Yeah. Fucking COVID, right? So COVID comes in and I was beating myself up emotionally about this consistently. And I was talking to the therapist. She's like, what is this time that you're doing? And I was like, well, if I don't make a movie, then I'm not a director. And if I'm not directing, then I'm not a director. And she's like, yeah, but you've been directing for 20 years. And I go, yeah, but I'm not directing right now. So that means I'm not a director. She goes, you're a director, dude. And you've been a director for 20 years. And I went, okay. And she goes, what's this number that you put on time? And I go, I don't know. I, it just makes sense. I need to have some sort of number for it. And she goes, how old is Clint Eastwood? Fucking old, seventies, <laughs> but he's still yeah. rocking those rocking movies, it. man. And granted, he comes from a different place than I do, but he's still making flicks. Yeah. And I consistently yeah. say that if I go, when I go, when I drop, finally, I'm going to keel over a craft services table. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know dude. What I mean? Not a bad place to be. You yeah. Know? yeah, like it's one just too many of those Starbucks go. sandwiches. You know, yeah. you just got to the heart, <laughs> and you just God. Yeah. If, I, if it's a Starbucks sandwich, it puts me down. Uh, but yeah, man, like. So at the end of the day, like, what what difference does it make if yeah. we've got grays when we make our first movie? Yeah, I think if anything, it's a better movie to be made because we've had forty years, well, however old you are, that amount of time uh, to 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 learn how to tell a fucking story. Yeah, man, I, I had this thought the other day. I'm like, you know, you the auteur filmmaker fallacy almost of like you know you have this like this top tier of directors who make their one movie and that's what yeah you know propels the whole career 
I think that's completely like the worst thing to hold up yeah. as a, a young filmmaker yeah. as what you need to be because look there's a lot of factors that went into this and like a lot of them are just straight up geniuses but like to a point where it's like like detrimental almost to like i feel yeah. like probably other parts of their lives like if you're gonna have a balance you need to learn by just doing and like do it yeah. over and over and over and over and over and then do it it's like how I'm not I've I've come to accept that I'm not that filmmaker who like will make the first movie and like win the best picture and then or you know like be, Dude, neither am I. Neither am I. I'm okay with it. Yes, and I'm okay It's with very it. freeing to realize that and just let yourself yeah. fail and and also succeed and then just like be like, okay, on to the next one. Let's do it. <laughs> I do, dude, the whole I can get on a tirade. The whole genius it. thing, it's like okay. So like you plop out of your mom on the delivery room floor and you stand up suddenly and you're like, get me a 35 millimeter. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, I think some people are generally curious about certain things and then they're, they're brought up in an environment that fosters that curiosity and that allows them to, at an early age, really sort of discover talent. And I think that sometimes that happens when you're, if you're very fortunate, it happens when you're younger, but sometimes it happens when you're 50 years old yeah. and you've had some sort of life experience and you're like, I've learned how to, to finally communicate. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of pressure. I think we put on ourselves to have all the right answers, especially when you're directing and like, it's not about, I don't really think it's about having the right answer. It's, it's trusting the people around you to, to not tell someone what to do, but to talk about what to do. And you have to be really vulnerable with yourself to be able to do that, yeah. right? To like look at someone in the eye and they go, okay, so how do you think I should do this? And the right answer isn't to tell them what to do. It's to ask them how they feel and then negotiate that. And you you have to be okay with like not having the answer. That's like easy, yeah. you know? I f you know yeah. what, to, to jump in. Yeah. I found a trick for that too. Oftentimes I know the answer. And when I'm there, I ask them anyway. Yeah. And what it does is it helps you practice that. Mm -hmm. But also it, it tests your theory. You know mm -hmm. what? You sound like, I'm going to throw it back at you. You sound like an editor. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what you do with editing. Yeah, you know, yeah. not that you know the right cut. But, but when you you're know. working for the client. Yeah. yeah. You, you ask them yep. because you know what's going to happen. And yep. then sometimes you are wrong, you know, and it does test your theory. That but point. dude, but it's, it's so refreshing because yeah. it isn't about being right or wrong. It's just about being inspired. Yeah. And so I'd rather have all the people working for me inspired yeah. Than following my orders. Yeah. Yeah. No one yeah, wants no. a drill sergeant. Yeah. This is, no. this has been a great podcast. I mean, feel like if we're coming to the end here, like, man, this is just, in yeah. some ways, this has been therapeutic because I know Joan and I've been talking just with like the short we're working on. It's like, you just got to keep grinding it out and stuff and just believing, like, yeah. Yeah. In it and just so keep doing it. Can I ask about that? Like, are you guys at liberty to talk about this short film that I've been hearing so much about here? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I was going to ask, like, after you kind of explain it, I'd love to know, like, what your guys's like goals are for this. Is this like, an exclusive right now? I, yeah, I we, don't know. we've dropped I, I, we've dropped little seeds, yeah. um, and people know that we are working on it. Um, you know, our process on it, and I'm sure Fenner has his perspective. And the reason I I'm working with Fenner, and the reason why I love this man so much, is that um, to what you said earlier, 
he he's way smarter than I am, and he can do something I can't do. He looks smarter. Um, than yeah, no. But and Jonah's, taller, Jonah's also handsome. smarter than me, though. So, um, okay. and, and so our process <laughs> has been really cool developing this, and, and the reason we're making it, um, I guess, to answer that first is um, that we feel like this property um, has so much to offer, and you know there have been versions of it that have been made, um, but it's a property that is like really iconic and people know okay. and mm-hmm. uh it is a horror it's funny that we're, we're all talking about horror stuff it is horror um and taking something that people know um it's kind of what people do with star or what they're mm-hmm. doing with star wars taking this like iconic property and telling a small story yeah um so it gets people to know oh it's halo i i don't i don't know oh, halo, halo. Mm-hmm. fenner right. loves halo yeah but my idea That's with this and the reason i think it's a project that i found interesting is that the story that we're telling isn't a bunch of guys going and shooting people. And, you know, it's not a video game. It's, it's three people, mm-hmm. three people. Um, and I think it's a story worth telling. It's, it's, it's about humanity. It's about um, what, what you'll do uh, for a cause that you believe in. It's a very bleak story. Mm-hmm. And it's a story that resonated with me right now because we all want to be doing something to help. Um, and the truth of the fact is, uh, the matter is that, we might not be doing the right thing even with the best intention and that's what this story is and it's actually a really hard thing to talk about because i think most people are good i really do but we get blindsided by the means to an end and that's what the story is about and it just so happens to be in halo um all framed wrapped up by halo yeah that was our thought process is use an already established ip like similar to the punisher thing Mm -hmm. um to have the framework for the universe, for the built-in audience, mm-hmm. um, and then essentially use it as a jumping off point to be like, hey, we did this thing, and it may be a case of where we get, you know, I don't know what it would be, Papa Master Chief comes down and says we can't release the film, but but well, then we'll just do what you yeah. did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a learning process. I think that, yeah. was, our, that was our ultimate goal to, yeah, is yeah. to learn how to do it, and it's been hugely inspiring just like knowing that you've made your film and so doing something that's like 10 minutes, 15 minutes is. And it's, it's been awesome. a yeah, really yeah. unique process, like unlike any other project. Cause in, when I was in Boston and God bless vagrants and those guys, cause they were the first people who gave me work. This is who we know each other through. Mm-hmm. I was directing things. Um, and I was even younger than I am now, obviously. And I was really trying to figure out what process would work for me. And this project has been one that because there's no timeline, I've really taken the time to work on, not the end goal, but the process to get there. And that's literally the name of your podcast. Um, so it's like, you know, and yeah. what, and I'm finding new ways to do it because we've pre-visualized the entire thing shot on iPhone. And now we're going through the next step of pre-visual, pre-visualizing CG in it. Oh, wow. And so. Taking really baby steps to yeah, get there, but making sure it's like. I've always buttoned up. put pressure on myself to finish something really fast because mm. um, of the world that I can't like ads. You want to finish it really fast. Everyone wants it really fast um and that's what i was doing before and so everyone wants a 30 second commercial everyone wants it to be tight perfect crew cuts and episode. crew cuts yeah. yeah yeah and so i love going baby steps because there's no reason there's no reason to put that pressure on yourself when there is no deadline yeah, yeah. and so yeah. yeah it's been really I, I was super inspired by uh the uh, pixar um book that i read the uh imagination inc mm-hmm. um and their process of making movies and they prevised everything to what's, an insane degree. What's really cool to put a button on that too is all of those small little baby steps we've been taking. Now it's like, oh, it's all coming together so quick. 
Yeah, it's not which stressful. Is really cool. Actually, at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So because it's all there. We should show you guys some stuff after. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. pretty so, sick. <laughs> what do you? So, at the end of the day, what do you guys ultimately want from this piece? I think for myself, it's just to be, just to have done it. Okay. That's it. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to do anything. It could be something where it never comes out, but just to know that we've done it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's ultimately it for me. And Yeah. I think the people that we've met doing it, because we've kind of brought more people into the fold on it. Um, I can't say all the people that we have, but like the people that I've been able to meet working on it, Venner included, you know, um, and learning to trust myself more um like to fail in that process mm-hmm. um has been really cool and i think you know you you all everyone has a dream of it being seen and for, we're in a place where yeah. you know it it will get seen more than if i just like posted on my instagram oh for sure so i think i'll say this the goal i want what i want out of it is i want to hear what strangers think about it mm-hmm. um not yes. that i need like validation but like i am so inspired by the fact that like what i make can impact someone it's something that i've learned from the show that i make here that like Mm. making something that is what we make is funny usually and i don't really want to make something funny Mm -hmm. and i want to hear how people are affected by it yeah Mm -hmm. that's my goal to see if my crazy Mm -hmm. little idea someone in the comment section goes wow it is really crazy that even though that person made the right decision in the moment ultimately it was actually a detriment. And I think that that reminds me of this in my life. Mm-hmm. That would be like the victory. I'd be like, yep, okay, mm-hmm. the metaphor worked, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm always worried about as the, the editor. Okay. I don't want that, man. It's okay. I'm going to want people to watch your stuff and respond to it. Yeah. It sounds like you guys got good reason, like good, a good reason to do it. Um, and then if you're looking in the larger picture, the stuff that you guys are, the, te- the techniques, the previs, the planning, all those things, if you go through that process, you're making yourself valuable for, you know, like a, like a Star Wars show, Yeah, yeah. you know, because you're then proving that you have the skills to do that. And I think having the skills isn't necessarily going to get you hired. I think if the emotion is there and if you're telling that story, then this is a great real piece for you. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a great piece for you to be able to say, we did this. And you guys have a fucking killer audience here, so you'll have numbers on that. I had the guy who did the fan film, the Uncharted fan film. Oh, it's amazing. On the show. It's incredible. Yeah, he was on the show. That is such, yeah, amazing. I need to listen to that episode, dude. Yeah, Um, he's he's an interesting cat. And he was talking about how, obviously, it's a property, it's a fan film. He didn't get hired to make the new Uncharted movie for it. But what he did get was because there was so much interest in it, at the Comic-Con, they had him come out to Comic-Con. They did this whole process of mm-hmm. Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And then he had uh, interest from other producers to make something else yeah. Yeah. from it. So and just proving you can do it yeah. is so freaking important. Yeah. Um, just saying like, yeah. just being able to look at someone and be like, they can, you know, push past all the hurdles and actually finish something, which is hard to just finish something in the first place. That's the biggest thing is not just proving it to other people, proving it to myself, I think. Totally. And there's never been a better time to make a fan film. I mean, Corridor almost started with like video game-based fan films. Literally did that Minecraft, Frozen Crossing, and then Minecraft, which propelled Corridor itself out. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I just watched a great fan film yesterday. It was uh, Andor. 
it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, we're in like a renaissance of fan films (laughs) and they all have huge (laughs) fucking budgets. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought someone else. Oh my God. No, I hear what you're saying, man. Like being able to take an existing IP and inject humanity, new humanity into it and a new perspective is like, that's almost the skill you need. Like, forget right about now. writing an original screenplay. I'm sorry, they're not getting made anymore. I know, it's so it's like, depressing. How can I inject my... my <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It's a weird give and take, man, because yeah. it's like, I hear you in your perspective saying you need your own IP, you need your own IP, but there is no perfect formula. No, I think that that's no. the most important thing, obviously. Is like, it's no not models. a hot take, but it's, it's, it's not about the formula at the end of the day. You know, It's about proving it to yourself. And it, you can prove it to yourself in a million ways. Yeah. And dude, at the end of the day, like, you know, while you're waiting around to create your own IP, make this fucking thing. Like, like, just continue to make things um, because, you know, you're always known by what what you're doing now and what you're doing lately. And it doesn't matter how good your last thing was. People are like, well, yeah, but what are you doing right now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much. I want to plug your podcast. Uh, Where can we find it? Like, what's the last thing? What, what, if, no one has seen your podcast. Which episode do they need to watch right now and where? Oh, well, you listen to it oh, these that's days because we're not videotaping it. Um, where the fuck? Okay, so I would say we have great episodes. Like if you are a big fan of uh, Mandy, the Nicolas Cage movie, I have Brett Bachman on the show, who's the editor for that. Okay. We actually dig deep into some of the shots that are iconic in Mandy oh. and sort of dissect them, which is fun. Um I've had Wade Eastwood on the show, who's Tom Cruise's stunt coordinator. And we've talked about uh, the realities behind the Mission Impossible movies. Okay. Actually, what was the... Juicy. Which, it was the one with uh, Cavell, who was oh, in yeah, it. Yeah. And I had that bathroom fight scene. Fallout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He walks me through uh, how he came up with that bathroom fight scene and uh, going through that. Um, so there's a lot of fun stuff as far as like big names. So if you're like enthralled by like hot topic names, we have some of that. But... Most of the show is um, just very personal. It's a place that you can go to when you're feeling insecure. It's kind of like what mm. we just did here. It's a place that you can go to when you're doubting yourself. And uh, it won't just be this guy telling you what to do. Um, I actually turn to people for myself on the show. Yeah. And so I always say at the beginning of the episode, like, come on in, grab a beer, have a seat on the couch. Our guest is on the way. Let's hang out. Let's learn something together. Um, and uh, you can listen to it on Spotify. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts. Go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. The show is called In Love With The Process. And uh, listen to it. I like it. Yeah, it's it's addicting. And it is, it really does feel like you're you're in the room just chilling and hanging out with people in the industry. And it honestly can help bridge that, like you talked about, your process of pitching, just getting through those nerves. Yeah. Like yeah. the way that, you can just have the confidence building experience of hearing people talk about these things is, is super great. I got to, I, I reached out to um, Eddie Hamilton, who's the editor of mission impossible. And uh, yeah, all those yeah, guys, yeah. I got to connect you guys. Cause yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he, I don't have a podcast. I just called him. We talked for like three hours one time yeah. and he is a fascinating guy to talk to. And uh, he just did um, uh, the new Tom Cruise movie. Top Gun. Top, he just did Top Gun. Oh, so, so you would, cool. he has so much to say about the process of that. But anyway, man, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, making yeah. Therapy. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun. It was awesome, you guys. Thank yeah. you so much. And on our podcast, now we crack the beer. Now 
Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Turn the mics off beers. and then we keep the going. Yeah, Thank yeah. you so much, man. Thank awesome. you guys. Seriously. Thank Thanks you guys so for watching. Dude. Go check out Mike's stuff. Yeah.